Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 35 this morning, but as we had listened to our um, scripture reading from this morning, uh, we, we heard the story of good news that was told. Uh, a story that shows that good news is for sharing. Um, we had the city that was shut up tight, um, and people were desperate for food, so desperate that even a, a two mothers of, of small children traded off so that each one of them would eat the other one's child. I mean, it was desperate. It was desperate. And yet, these four lepers, they didn't have anything to lose. They went inside, they would die. If they left to the Syrians, they'd probably die, but maybe they'd get spared. So they went to the Syrians, and they found that God had chased off the Syrians. God had done a miracle. He had saved His people by scaring away the enemy. And they went back and they told because good news is for sharing. One of the things we're going to see in this passage in John chapter 1 is another place where we see good news is for sharing. We're going to see a pattern of people who are telling others about Jesus, about this Messiah who has come. And then following after Jesus. Beginning in verse 35, it says, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him and say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see, come and you will see. They, so they came and saw where he was staying. And they said to him, they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John, who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see ears to hear this morning. Lord, we thank you that your word says wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. Lord, we know you are here with us. Lord, speak to us by your word. And Lord, give me strength to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 35 sounds very similar to what we saw last week or last time we were together. In verses 29 and 30, 
In, the, in verse 29, we saw it said, And the next day, Jesus coming toward him, that's John, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here, the last time we were together, it's John looking off and seeing Jesus coming toward him. Jesus was coming to John and John recognized who he was and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. We see here when we read verses 29 through 34, um, there's a, I have a question, who is he talking to? It doesn't say who he's saying it to or anything. It's maybe to us or maybe he's just saying it out loud to himself or, or within himself. But it doesn't tell us who he's speaking to. Here in verse 35, we see very similar. It starts the next day. Again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by. Now here, it isn't the same word where before it said he saw Jesus. Here it's another word. He looked intently. He he paid attention, paid close attention. He gazed at Jesus. He looked at Jesus as he walked by. Now, yes, the last time we were together, Jesus was walking toward John the Baptist. And here he's walking by. And John, as he sees Jesus walking by, he just says, Behold, the Lamb of God. The last time he had said that in verse 29, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's so much that's packed up within that sentence. To say, Behold, the Lamb of God. First off, Behold. What does it mean to behold? It means to look. He's saying, look, look at who this is. Look at Jesus. Look at this man who is walking by. He's saying this to his disciples there. He's saying, look at Jesus. Then he identifies who Jesus is. He says, look, the Lamb of God. We talked about this before. The Lamb of God is pointing back maybe to the sacrificial system and how in the sacrificial system they needed to have a sacrifice. They were looking at a sacrifice of how the sins of the people would go on to that animal as they would kill it and it would represent their sins being forgiven, their sins being atoned for. But here John was recognizing Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God. He was, as John said earlier, the Word made flesh. The Word of God who was with God, who was God, who became flesh and dwelt among us. And He was the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Our sacrifice, our perfect sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus had to be Fully God, which John tells us before, he was God. He was with God from the beginning. He was God. He had to be fully God and he had to be fully man. He became flesh and dwelt among us. The Lamb of God had to be fully a human being and he had to be fully God because our sin is so 
egregious. We slight our sin. We don't think of how, how wicked and how deserving our sin is of God's wrath. But our sin isn't best judged by our own estimation, by our own looking at it, thinking, well, I only said a little white lie or something like that. But our sin is measured by who, how great of a person we have sinned against. And we have sinned against an infinitely holy God. And so to pay the price for infinitely, for an infinite sin against an infinitely holy God, we had to have God. But only a human being could pay our price. Only a human being. The, the, these lambs, these goats, these calves, anything that we saw in the Old Testament sacrificial system, all they could do was point forward to this true Lamb of God, the one who was the God-man, the Word made flesh who came. Because only a man, a descendant of Adam, could pay the price for our sins. This is all packed up in what John said. Behold, look at Him. Look at Jesus. Look at this Word made flesh who came to pay our ransom. And then the two disciples heard. When we speak, we expect someone to hear us. John here was saying, John the Baptist was saying, Behold, look, it's Jesus, it's the Lamb of God and these two disciples of John. They're John's disciples at this point. He had his own disciples. These disciples of John heard him. And what did they do? They, they left John behind. And they followed Jesus. John, his whole ministry was a ministry of saying, he must increase and I must decrease. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about the one who comes after me. I'm nothing. Look to Jesus. John here, as Jesus walked by, he said, Behold, that's where you go. Look at him. Follow him. Not me anymore. Follow him. And these disciples they left John and began to follow Jesus. This did not escape Jesus. Notice, Jesus turned and He saw them. And He said to them, What are you seeking? What are you looking for? You know, many of us, when we come to Jesus, or many people, when they come to Jesus, they're looking for all kinds of things. They're looking for an answer to their problems. They're looking for someone who will feed them. You know, we think of the, uh, the story of, of the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus comments on, on that saying, you know, some people came looking for bread. Maybe had their bellies filled and they were glad to have that. But they didn't really want the cost of discipleship, of really following Jesus he asked these two men, what are you seeking? We ask ourselves that. What are we seeking when we think about Jesus? Are we asking for our own selfish benefits? Or is Jesus the reward Himself? 
Is just having Jesus enough? What are you seeking? Jesus asked that to them and he asks that to us. What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi. They called him Rabbi. They recognized he was a great teacher at that time. They didn't yet call him Christ. They didn't call him Messiah, but they called him Rabbi, which means teacher. They thought maybe he was like John. John was their teacher. John was, they were disciples and they, John was their master before. They thought we're going to leave one master for another. We're going to leave John. We're going to go follow Jesus and he's going to be just like John. Maybe a little better. John said he was better. They didn't know what to expect. They called him rabbi. And they said, where are you staying? There was a concern. You know, each of one of us would probably be concerned about the same thing. If we wanted to leave our comforts of home and follow Jesus, wouldn't we, we, wouldn't we be concerned that we're going to be taken care of? We want a place uh, to have a, a place to lay our heads. We're reminded of when Jesus says in other places, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What does Jesus say? Come and you will see. He doesn't give them an answer, really. He doesn't tell them, well, come to this house or this location. We're, we're staying, we're, we're set up camp at this location or anything like that. No, he just said, come and you'll see. They had to exercise faith. They had to trust Jesus. He didn't, they didn't really know where they were going. They just knew who they were following. When he calls us to follow him, we're often the same way. We don't know what following Jesus is going to bring us. It might bring us into great peril. We might face persecution. We might face all kinds of things. We just don't know. But when Jesus calls us, He calls us to leave everything and follow Him, no matter what the cost. Come and you will see. So what they do? They came and they saw. They did what Jesus said. They came and they saw where He was staying, and they stayed with Him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. The tenth hour probably would have been about four o'clock. And so they, they came, they followed Jesus to the place where he was staying, and he, they spent the rest of the day there with him, listening to him, learning from him as he taught. Discipleship, being a disciple, was attaching yourself to a teacher. As Jesus um, was as John was a teacher, and these men were disciples of him, they were attached to John, they followed him around. They learned from him in the same way they left John, they followed Jesus, and they, they attached themselves to him. They identified with him. They followed him around, and they would learn from him in that way. They spent the rest of the day with Jesus, and then one of them, one, one of the two who had heard G, John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. We've heard this name. 
In uh, Matthew and the other Gospels, it talks about Andrew and Simon Peter. They were fishermen. And Jesus came and He just said, come, follow Me. And they left their nets and they followed Him. I don't think there's any contradiction here. I think we're just seeing a different part of the story. Maybe this happened first and then later they were out fishing and Jesus called them to leave their nets and follow Him. Jesus has Andrew come and he goes and he finds his brother. One of these two men who were John's disciples was Andrew. He goes and he finds his brother and he brings Simon Peter to Jesus. Simon to Jesus. That's what this first disciple did. He brought his brother to Jesus. We, we see this thread, this good news is for sharing thread. John, he speaks, behold the Lamb of God. He couldn't keep it within himself. He shares, behold the Lamb of God. These two disciples, they hear it and they follow Jesus. And then Andrew, he realizes who Jesus is. He realizes how important he is. And he, he leaves and he goes and he finds his brother and he brings him back. He says to Simon, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. They're saying he's more than just a teacher. He's more than just a teacher. He is the Messiah. What does that mean? That he was calling Jesus the Messiah. The Messiah means Christ, of course, but what does that mean? We, we throw Christ around as if it was Jesus' last name. But it means the anointed one, the anointed king, God's chosen one who would be king. And we look at the Old Testament and we see this expectation there would be a Messiah, one who would come and be king, one who would sit on David's throne. There, the Jewish people at the time, they were expecting this one who would come and set things right. They were under the oppression of Rome. They had... Um, they had not yet completely returned to the promised land from their exile. They were expecting a Messiah to come and deliver them from their political situation. And Andrew says to Simon, we found the Messiah. We found him. That's good news. Andrew didn't understand everything it meant, but it was good news. And he, had, he couldn't keep it inside, just like John. He couldn't keep it inside. He went and he found his brother and he told him. He brought Simon to Jesus and Jesus says to him, Simon, son of John. He knew something about G Peter before he ever came. He, or Simon before he ever came. He says, Simon, son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Cephas would be the, the Aramaic term for rock. Peter, of course, also means rock. And when Jesus calls him, it's kind of like a nickname. We might call somebody Rocky. You ever know anybody named Rocky? Peter was called, or Simon was called Rocky. Jesus, he, he, the first time he meets him here, he says, you're going to be called Rocky. You're going to be called Peter. You know, 
One of the things we see here in verse 38, or verse 37 and 38, is they heard about Jesus before they followed him. Before they followed him, they heard. That's some, if we want to see people following Jesus, then what do we need to do? We need to tell them the message so that they can hear. Good news is for sharing. And then we see the same idea. How did Simon, become, who became one of the greatest of the apostles, who became a leader, who became the very one who Jesus said he would build his church upon, he came because someone told him the message. Someone told him, I found, we found the Messiah. You know, when we, when we share the gospel with someone, we never know what kind of person that, that they might end up to be. When we share the gospel, we don't know what the consequences are. They, they, they may seem insignificant. They may seem like only a child. But when we share the gospel, they might grow and be discipled and become a great leader, become a great evangelist. And we, Andrew probably didn't know that about his brother whenever he brought Andrew, brought Simon to Jesus. We don't know that about those who we maybe teach in Sunday school or those who we share the gospel with throughout the week we might meet. We don't know. Jesus can change a life. He changed Simon's life so much that he gave him a new name. Good news is for sharing. That's what we see here. We see a story where John shares Jesus with two of his disciples who then go on and they continue on the pattern and Andrew brings his brother to Jesus. We see how Jesus changes people. They first called Jesus a teacher. And Andrew then realized, no, Jesus is more than a teacher. He's the Messiah. Jesus changed Simon. To where he was then no longer somebody who was rash. Someone who was um, making Statements about what he would do and then being too afraid and denying Jesus. But he turned to him and he gave him strength. He gave him the kind of faith that he could stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach. And 3,000 souls were saved. Good news is for sharing. We have the greatest news in all the world. We have the greatest news that Jesus has come. We're not like many other religions. We, we don't have just some philosophical system that says, well, the world is this way. This is, this is how things work. But no, we have a story to tell about how God became a man and walked into history. What we have is good news. Not just a system of ethics, not just a way of life. We have good news of a Savior who came and died for us. We have good news of the Lamb of God. And so we share that good news. 
We share it with everyone we meet. We share it with our loved ones. We share it with those who we barely know. Because good news is for sharing. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.